So the question is, how do you take fourth quarter Kenny Pickett and extrapolate him across the other three? Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates in the same place that you found this. In Mike Tomlin's press conference yesterday, he was asked about Kenny's really, really skewed numbers between the first three quarters and the fourth. We're not even just talking about this season. We're talking about since he broke in as starter partway through last season. And Tomlin, and, and I admired this, chose to focus on the positive in his response. That's his ability to rise up in moments. Um, we valued that in the draft process. It was one of the things that made him attractive to us. And I've watched him do it uh, when he was a Pitt Panther. And so I don't know that any of us are surprised by his ability to make the plays that he makes when it really gets thick. I just think some people are built like that. Some people relish the opportunity. Some people really smile in the face of adversity. Some people are, are competition junkies. And I think he's all of those things. But that's not something that we're just discovering. Wonderful. And be that as it may, I'm here to tell you that inside that building on South Water Street, the Steelers are focused way more on those other three quarters and how to bring out the best of Kenny before that. Listen to these numbers. They're unbelievable. First three quarters. This is just for this season, right? First three quarters of games. Kenny has completed only 56.2% of his passes. He's got one touchdown, three interceptions, and a passer rating of 45.8. Now, in the fourth quarter alone, and again, this is from all games this season, the fourth quarter, he's got a 73% completion rate for 374 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. His passer rating is 102.8, more than double what it is in the rest. He's literally twice as good. And if you go over the way everything unfolded in Los Angeles specifically, not only was he sharp, not only was he making good decisions, but he also was, the offense had a field. You know what I'm saying? He, he was out there and he was in charge. Even the handoffs felt like they came with a purpose. Like he was the one driving the car down the road. And the only time you ever get that from him is the fourth quarter. So Tomlin's going to have his cute thing to say about it. Kenny's had his cute things to say about it. All the rest of the players are going to have theirs. George Pickens was asked about it. This was in L.A. And he he actually got a little bit defensive. He said, I don't think it's Kenny. I don't think he's struggling. I just think, you know, it's all of us. And he's right, of course, to an extent. Because the wide receivers aren't their best selves in the first three quarters. The offensive line is nowhere near their best selves. And the running backs, they don't really matter much until you get the passing game going and start spreading out these big fronts that they face. So there's a couple possibilities here for how to resolve this. One is to have the Akershire Stadium scoreboard operator just leave a four under the QTR column on the board. 
meaning from kickoff onward. I'm guessing that the National Football League wouldn't take kindly to that. So I'll instead suggest this. Come up with a series of plays, especially on that first drive. You know, we could also suggest here that Kenny's a good first drive quarterback. Stay with me on this, okay? Don't laugh. Based on the preseason, those guys came out like a house on fire. And yeah, there were some ambitious passes in there. There were some uh, unusual looking plays, but not many. Most of it was pretty basic, simple stuff. And that's what I'd like to see. I, I don't believe that you have to come out establishing the run. And I feel like that's still the Steelers and or Matt Canada's philosophy is, well, we got to show them that we can run. No, you don't. No, you don't. You got to show them that you can move the ball. It doesn't matter how. You got to show them that you're real, that all of your facets are worth respecting. And when that happens, other things open up. That's actually what happened in the fourth quarter in Los Angeles. That and, of course, Kenny being better. But when you see a nice, healthy seven-yard gain from the running back or a nice, quick seven-yard hit to Deontay Johnson or something that's just a, a play that's like a 98 percenter for you, okay, and you hit on a couple of those and you move them back a little bit and you get them thinking about the various things that you can do instead of just stacking against the run, all of a sudden, things start opening up. Man, the players were talking about this afterward. They, they really were. This I'm talking about out in L.A. I, I couldn't get enough earfuls of this. Why? Kenny would throw to the left side deep for Pickens. Great. Right after that, he'd throw to the right side, all the way to the right side for Deontay. This is on the last drive. You remember this. Real far left, real far right. Next play, run up the middle for nine yards. Amazing how that works, huh? Like stretching elastic in front of you. And everyone gains confidence from that, including the quarterback. Why not put together something on the one drive that you're most capable of scripting out, scheming out, to your preference, to what you want to do, as opposed to adjusting to what they've got. Why not do that right away? Just set up plays that are basic. I'm going to use the term again, 98 percenters. Nothing's 100 percenter. But real certain stuff, Deontay, tight ends, whatever that running play was that got Jalen the 13-yard touchdown, that kind of stuff. Just do that at least to get you halfway up the field. Start feeling better about yourself. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait until the end. That's when you're letting the defense dictate what you should do for way too long. When we come back, J1Q. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by our good friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located on Federal Street, directly across from PNC Park. Mike has more than 500 beers on tap, including from more than 50 local breweries. Stop in and say hello. Tell Mike we sent you. Mike's Beer Bar. And today's J1Q comes from James who says, DK, here's a J1Q for you. Putting the Patriots aside, are the Jaguars the real kryptonite 
to the Steelers. Two home playoff losses, bad games down in Jacksonville when they were AFC Central opponents make me think so. You know, James, I'm not a big believer in in team trends unless there's a real consistency to the personnel and or the coaching involved. You mentioned the Patriots. Okay, that's a real one. Why? Because look at the New England players who were killing the Steelers for years and years. Look at the New England decisions that were making the Steelers look dumb for years and years. Okay, that's when a team really has something on another team. When you're talking about the Jaguars, wow. I mean, look at look at the difference between the Jaguars that you're describing from, from way back when and even the Leonard Fournette team that ran right through the Steelers in the playoff game over at Heinz Field. And then look at them now with... You know, Doug Peterson as coach, Trevor Lawrence as the quarterback, mostly a young team, not entirely, but mostly, certainly at their core. There's not a whole lot of similarities there. Jerry Seinfeld used to have a, a joke in his stand-up routine about how we as sports fans, we root for laundry. <laughs> and actually, if you think about it, that's kind of what it is. Uh, you can see a player get traded from your team to another team. The same person shows up, giving presumably the same effort, and they're all of a sudden a villain. Why? They're wearing different laundry. The Jaguars' history against the Steelers is is a matter of laundry in this instance. However, however, I do think the Jaguars are going to be a significant challenge. I think they're going to be a bigger challenge for the Steelers than the Rams were. And I actually like the Rams, believe it or not. I I thought that that was a team that was going to be tough on Pittsburgh. This one's going to be tougher. Uh, Lawrence is capable. We've seen this with the heights that he's taken his team to recently of being a top-tier NFL quarterback, just like everyone thought when he was coming out of Clemson, number one overall pick. He is that. He's going to be even better. Travis Etienne is the guy that the Steelers might have taken if Najee Harris wasn't there when their turn came up. A very good running back in his own right. Uh, he's more of a guy that's going to find ways to beat you through the middle, but he also can hit the edge. He's got a 3.7 yards per carry average. That's nice. That's better than either of the Steelers guys. Christian Kirk's a solid receiving threat. Uh, Again, I'm going to use the term consistent because that's what he is. He'll put up consistent numbers. Uh, He's kind of a, well, Cooper Cup didn't have his best game against the Steelers last week. So, but he's got that mold to him, even if he's not at Cup's level, obviously. He's got that mold where he's going to be tough to fend off and you're going to wonder why can't they cover this guy? Why can't they cover this guy? They've got some of that. They've got the kind of defense that you would expect from a Peterson coach team. It's going to be a challenge unto itself, but they're not going to be going against Tom Coughlin and Mark Brunel and Maurice Jones drew. And you know, that's, that's gone. That's gone. Different team, different time. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to daily shot of Steelers going to do another one of these tomorrow.